This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. We hope your week is off to a great start. You know, recently, Denise and I did a pretty interesting show on the hidden folk and just getting more in touch with with nature and some of the invisible helpers around you. And boy, did we get some fantastic feedback, didn't we? We did. It's always fun to hear that other people have had similar experiences. Yeah. And I also think, and again, just my opinion, I think it's kind of brave to share some of these experiences because it's still not anywhere close to being mainstream. I mean, even though now we have government officials going on the record saying that, you know, we are not alone, I still think we're a step too far to accepting this as a fact. Do you agree with that? I do. And I think it's perspective. And when we, of many of these stories that people shared, do go back to older cultures, older times where it was more normalized. And and maybe this is similar to things we've talked about in other episodes is people's connection with the natural world is shifting. And when these, you know, the hidden folk stories started, people lived so intricately and interwoven with the natural world. Maybe this is a, a precursor to coming back to that. Yeah, I think so. But I agree. It is brave. Yes, it is. It is because it's just it's definitely different. And I think it's important, though, to share these experiences and just think, hmm, you know, who knows? Who knows what is out there? You know, something I've been looking into as a brief aside, Denise, is this this idea of filter consciousness. Have you heard? Have you been studying this at all? No. (laughs) In your free time, like your weird friend does. (laughs) it's this belief that our conscious does not reside inside of our brain our consciousness is more connected to our soul and so our brain acts as a filter so whatever our conscious or unconscious i should be saying is receiving and perceiving has to be filtered through the five senses of the brain so if the brain can't see it, hear it, touch it, feel it, you know, all of smell it, it's not going to be processed into your consciousness. And so a lot of these scientists like Dean Radin and such are using this idea of filter consciousness to kind of speculate. Is this why so many people who are having, say, for example, near-death experiences, and they're coming back and saying, 
I saw colors that I've never, I don't have words for. I heard sounds. I kind of like music, but not really. It was so beautiful. I don't have words for it. I smelled beautiful heavenly odors that don't exist here on earth. They're trying to wonder, is all of that stuff around us all the time? But here, when we're in the human body with our brain filtering it out through our five senses, we're just not able to process it? Oh, that's very fascinating to think about. It really is. Like, have you looked at the this, the word blue and how when, oh gosh, who was it? Some amazing ancient Greek guy, Socrates maybe, was talking about the sea. He described it as green. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until years later that our consciousness was able to process the color blue, something about the way our eyes had to grow and the UV spectrum and all sorts of stuff that's that's beyond my memory of understanding right now. Have you read those stories? No. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating. I first heard about it in What the Bleep Do We Know? So mm-hmm. if you guys have any streaming services, see if you, if you haven't watched it. It's an older documentary, but it really does go into how we can only perceive things for which we have a a basis from which to perceive them. So maybe some of the people who are emailing us with their experiences, because they're empathic and naturally intuitive and more sensitive, maybe their brain has a bigger filter and larger holes, and it's able to pick up on these on these hidden folk. Oh, I, I think that this is a really interesting topic as far as that filter, but also the magnitude of what we're able to tap into personal opinion, I think is unlimited. I think that if you, I mean, the fact that both of you and I can talk to people who are no longer in their physical body, we that we're going somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Our consciousness is definitely going somewhere. Yes. Okay. So just sit back and pretend you're sitting around a virtual coffee table with Denise and I, as we share some wonderful stories listeners have sent in. Do you want to start us off? Oh, why don't you jump right in this time? Okay. This one says, I'm now 52, but when I was 24, I moved to the Midwest to start graduate school. I arrived a couple of weeks early to get situated and was extremely short on money until my financial aid came through. Anxiety was high as I wasn't sure how I was even going to afford enough groceries. I headed down the street from my apartment to a park, put a blanket down beneath a tree and decided to lay down. After a few minutes through my inner knowing, I was surprised to feel the tree make contact with me. All this came as an immediate download of understanding. I don't have any way to describe it, except that it was a gentle, energetic communication. The tree offered to alleviate my worry by taking on the energy of my worry. It explained that anxiety and money do not signify to a tree and that taking on my emotions would not hurt it. It asked permission to help me. I said yes. I could feel the tension and worry draining out of me into the earth and roots of the tree. After a short while, I did feel much better. I thanked the tree profusely and always said hello when I walked by that park. My current perspective takeaway, trees are empaths. Ooh, I agree with that. Two years later, at age 26, I was working for the summer overseas in the the mountains near the Black Sea. The community I worked with was indigenous to the region and still maintained spiritual practices based around the spirits of sacred mountains. We'd been working hard, and some colleagues arranged a day trip to a famous lake considered sacred high up in the mountains. It took us a long time to get there, and we didn't have much time at the lake except to take some pictures and have a snack. 
I had just put my camera back in its case, looked up across the lake at the mountain jutting behind it, when bam, I felt a hit in the center of my chest like an energetic punch. I can't say if it took something, gave something, or just hit me, but it knocked the wind out of me. It didn't feel malevolent, just powerful. My body began to shake. I looked around and my colleagues noticed nothing. The entire ride down the mountains, I felt that we were being watched. The final experience I'll share occurred when I was around 34 in Northern California. I liked to hike a particular trail and stop at a meadow at the halfway point. On the far side of the meadow was a log cut in half to form a bench, and I headed over to sit and have my lunch. After eating, I lay down on the log with my hat over my face to enjoy the sun. Before I continue, I want to first explain that I have something called amphitasia. I can't intentionally visualize in my mind's eye. If you say close your eyes and imagine a red apple, I see nothing. I do dream in images, which come softly into focus as I move into sleep. I also very rarely receive visions or communications, which come as ultra-realistic clear visuals with my eyes closed. My inability to imagine visually and the different quality of these visions from dreaming tells me that they are real. So I lay there, relaxing in the sun, when a vision popped into my head. They look similar to the elves in the Lord of the Rings movie, a male with white hair in the forefront and a similar-looking female behind him over his right shoulder. I later wondered if they appeared as something familiar to me so I would recognize who they were. The male elf was angry, gesticulating at me with his finger, and then he locked eyes with me. His anger and eye contact startled me, and I sat up, apologizing out loud as I gathered my backpack. I hastily decided to make a small offering as an apology. Food, I worried, might sicken a wild animal, so I poured a little water on the earth next to the log, apologizing for intruding or whatever I'd done, and left. These kinds of experiences have taught me that everything in the natural world has awareness. It brings comfort to know that I, as a human, am part of the world, but not its central focus. That there are all kinds of beings and lives around us, just beyond typical perception. Thank you, ladies, for the work you do. The warmth of your voices, intelligence, and sincerity feel like listening to old friends. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing these amazing stories. You know, I too have felt that connection to a tree. And like I was saying at the beginning of the show, Denise, I've always felt kind of silly sharing that with people. I share it with my kids. I tell them, you know, my little tree connections, but I, I don't know. It's something that I feel is not really accepted. There's a beautiful old magnolia behind the clubhouse in my neighborhood and its bottom two branches have grown straight out in front of it instead of straight up. And every time I walk by that tree, it looks like it's offering a hug because it's like two bottom branches are like arms. And so I've gotten into the habit of just sitting in front of that tree for a minute and Oh yeah, here I am saying this on the podcast. Okay. But I do feel that connection to trees too. I I love I love the way she explained that we are a part of the world but not its central focus. Yes. And and I don't mind sounding like I'm a little bit of a wingnut with my connection with the trees and the animals and stuff because what she mentioned with the tree, a really cool thing to do if you're comfortable with it is if you're walking and you through the woods or or in a park or something and you get drawn to a specific tree, put put your hands up against it and close your eyes. And it is 
an incredible way to release tension, anxiety, fear. You A lot of times you may feel this big whoosh of energy just come right through you. And you can ask the tree for a message or you can ask because they're a living thing. And, you know, if that isn't your cup of tea, then don't drink it. But if you do feel that level of connection with, with nature and spirit of the of nature, the spirit of nature, then build a relationship with it because it can be absolutely phenomenal what you can learn about yourself and about the rest of the world. I always feel I have to touch trees. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Sometimes I give them a little pat. Hi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I feel that's why I told you I was in the mountains last week. And I need that. I need that time because where I live, it's basically pine trees and a couple of magnolias. I need that different foliage all around me. And there was a tree I saw right by this waterfall at the end of this beautiful hiking path. And it looked like a weeping willow, except instead of the weeping willow branches, it was heart-shaped green leaves. Mm -hmm. But it created this beautiful arch. And I found it just as it started drizzling over us. And it was like shelter, you know? So we just stood under there until the little rainstorm passed. It was, it was such a beautiful moment. I want to know what that tree was, but anyway. It, you know, what's interesting too with this story is that, that this person shared how different each of the examples were. Yeah. So, and, and yes, I agree completely about, uh, you know, we're just part of it. It's, it's not all about us. We're just part of the world. And there is more beyond our perception, incredibly. Yeah, and, and the respect she gave, because every time I have read stories about elves, they always sound like Clint Eastwood from that movie, Get Off My Lawn. It's like, elves, come on, <laughs> chill. We humans have been here for a long time. We got to learn to work together. And yet that was not her response. Her response was to return an offering to the earth, which I think is just such beautiful wisdom that certainly I can learn from and hopefully all of us can. And a good point about be careful what you offer. Yeah. That's incredibly important. So our next one goes in a bit of a different direction. And this person said, I'm going to start with a reference back to psychic Sylvia Brown, who wrote in one of her books years ago about visiting Ireland and taking a carriage ride in Killarney National Park. She gasped when she saw fairies and leprechauns. The carriage driver said, oh, you see them too. She said, I never knew they were real. And that's coming from a well-known psychic. My personal note, I've hiked all over the world and have never felt the magic I felt in the forest and bogs of Ireland. And this person has hiked in Iceland as well. She goes on to say, my husband and I retired to our Southern California mountain cabin in an arts and healing town. We lost several trees to bark beetle. My sweet husband turned those stumps into elf houses. He also added four doors for the elves to enter and exit our home. And he went on to write two books about the cabin elves of Idlewood and how they helped us adjust to mountain life. Most believe this was all for our five grandchildren, which is partially true, but I'm intuitive enough to hear and see them at times. Movement out of the corner of my eyes, little footsteps walking around at night, not mice, not chipmunks, not those lugs, our raccoons and bobcats. And my cat will often watch something that we can't see. We have a good amount of spirit activity on our mountain, but the elves feel different. 
I've also had several people tell me they're convinced they have fairies or elves in their cabins or yards. It's an interesting fraternity. So back to Sylvia Brown. When my oldest granddaughter told me she didn't believe anymore, I truthfully told her that I absolutely believe in that even Sylvia Brown didn't believe until she saw them. She's processing that now. Thanks for listening. I could go on forever about our magic mountain, its history and its lore. And I haven't read this man's books, but he did send a link with a picture of them. So I can put those in the show notes if anyone is interested in in reading those books about these magical little elf houses. Oh, yeah. I love seeing stuff like that. And you know why Iceland was mentioned? They actually re-navigated a planned highway so they could avoid a traditional ferry path. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so cool when countries have this, this connection to nature and this belief in, in the hidden folk. But, you know, we have all these stories of elves who do live in people's houses and they clean for you and polish your shoes. Where are those elves? <laughs> the little brownies, yes. Yeah. They, ha- they haven't showed up here in... in- Western Maine yet either. No, my little Lily's getting old and she has little pee mistakes. And I wake up in the morning to all sorts of fun little puddles in my kitchen. And I'm like, all right, if there are brownies or elves in here, you know, the paper towels are there. Help me out. (laughs) But I do think that this listener brings up a good point. You know how they talk about thin places in the world, how there are places where the veil between the worlds is thinner? Yes. I feel like there are places in the world where our connection to nature is deeper. And I do agree that mountain life is for sure one of them. Yes. That Well, they always say that a lot of times trees act as antenna to spirit. Plus, when you get into how ancient the, I mean, here on the East Coast, we have the old mountains. We have, you know, the Appalachian. We have the Blue Ridge. We have the Green Mountains. We have, but then you get into the, the Continental Divide. And I'm just talking about the U.S. And I'm sure in other countries, people understand this as well, just how the energy of the mountains is so different depending on the age and the height and the uh, proximity. It, it, it's pretty interesting stuff. It really is. And what's inside those mountains, Denise? crystals <laughs> right and i think that helps you know up and amp the energy of all of that as well right. okay our next one says i just finished listening to your latest episode about the hidden folk and i have to say as a nature empath this has been one of my favorite episodes by far i have a degree in forest science i live in the woods and work in lisa national forest park almost by myself every day, which is such a freeing and empowering experience, especially as a woman in a male-dominated field. With all that said, I wanted to bring up how a lot of what you both talked about in this week's episode is actually being taught and studied in natural science classes. Wow. I did not know that. The botany class I took discussed the evolution of plants and how they likely communicate with each other on a level that humans can't understand and that we have evidence showing that they recognize patterns and can differentiate between familial plants and plants of other origins. I suggest reading the book Brilliant Green by Michael Pollan. It's a super quick read and is so interesting, bringing both science and spirituality into view while looking at the impact of plants and how they absolutely are living beings, not just objects. Wow, that's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I just, I feel peaceful just reading her email and thinking about her walking in this national forest and working by herself. Just that sounds lovely. Yes. 
and that she refers to herself as a nature empath. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And I, I'll make note of that book as well. It's, again, not one that I've read, but uh, I can put it on my list because it, it sounds really fascinating. And I do do love, love, love when you can back something up with logic and science and practicality. Because it it's real easy to say, oh, and the I feel the trees and I get the but when you have something that, you know, like the interconnected root system of all the trees, when they talk to each other and warn the other trees and send nutrients, I love that. That's something that you can you can measure. Yeah, I think that's really important too, especially for people like me who feel that connection so strongly and at the same time feel uncomfortable talking about it. Right. It's nice to have that to back it up. You know, something else people can read or go online and research is Finhorn Garden. Oh, yes. I mean, the the Finhorn community and what they were able to accomplish with the help of the hidden folk, there's photographic evidence of that. Listeners haven't heard of that. It's spelled Findhorn, like F-I-N-D-H-O-R-N, Findhorn Garden. It's such a cool story of really working in beautiful, perfect harmony with nature to build a magical place. I have two dear friends that spent time there who said it changed them forever. Just the energy there, the experience, the community. It's, it is fascinating. Wow. Um, Our next one. I just finished listening to your podcast on hidden folk and loved it. When I was a child, I had such a love of fairies and unicorns and would play with them in my imagination as I've come back to this intuitive, playful part of me, I've been drawn again to fairies and unicorns. I even have a unicorn statue in my office and I'm looking for a fairy statue that calls to me. In my heart of hearts, I believe I've lived and loved fairies and unicorns in some other lifetime. I can see it and it feels like coming home when I go to that place. My husband and I traveled to Ireland and Scotland in April and we toured a castle in Ireland and while walking through a garden, came across to fairy village. My heart lit up and I had goosebumps all over. I took a million pictures and just felt the magic of the place. I loved it. Thanks again for doing the show. It was such fun for my soul to listen and wonder about things magical with you. What I really enjoyed about this was bringing me back to that intuitive, playful part of myself. So little kids see these, they have the conversations, they believe it because they don't know they're not supposed to. And we've said that in reference to so many different episodes that we've done, but it is, it's playful, it's imagination, it's allowing something that may not make sense to still be a possibility. Yeah. And you know, the whole unicorn thing is so fascinating because I'm pretty sure it was my friend Deb who told me that unicorn is even mentioned in the Bible. And we have them sewn into ancient medieval tapestries. And yet you don't really hear a lot of people talking about them today or certainly seeing them. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like, do you have to believe in these things? Are we, is it like a tulpa and we're creating them? I don't know. A lot to think about. Yeah. Okay. Our next one says, I love listening to your Nature Folk episode and thought you'd love to hear the story of our land. We live in southeastern Connecticut where the Mohegan tribe and Mashantucket Pequot tribe overlap a little. I live in a small farming town and I have been called to move here from the coast of Connecticut for about five years before we made the jump in 2020. I'm an avid gardener and even flower farmed for a bit. 
We were looking for more of a farm rather than a wooded lot, but we knew this was the home for us before we even stepped in the house. Of course, there were lots of synchronicities and magic that made this all happen, but we weren't expecting what happened a couple of months into living there. I will sometimes be woken by messages pre-dawn, and one morning I was awoken with the message, the little people who live in these woods are called the blank. I'd like to keep their actual name private for the time being. It was a word I had never heard before, but finally, after months of searching, I found that it is the name of a tiny coastal village in Norway. Around this time, I also found that I have Norwegian ancestry that my family had zero knowledge of previously. Before we moved into the house, I became obsessed with Scandinavian fiber arts as well and started making a Norwegian-inspired crochet blanket for our new home. Here's where it gets even more interesting. The Mohegan tribe has passed down stories of the little people of this area that were here before they arrived in Connecticut. The Makawisug people, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, so I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, of the forest in this area had saved the Mohegans from being decimated by European diseases by telling them what native herbs to use and prepare to live through the diseases. And the Mohegans, in kind, saved Granny Squanet of the Makawisug. How do you say that, Denise? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I think you did it well. Okay. And the Mohegans in kind saved Granny Squanet of the Makawisog years later. So as far as I can piece together, the little people here came from Norway, possibly with Vikings who visited here a thousand years ago. They moved at some point later to the land I live on underground. There are portal rocks with names and purposes here too. They appeared as small Native Americans to the Mohegans and as more traditional gnome-like to me. I work almost every day in my gardens with the dream and goal of enhancing the magic that this land holds. I feel very protected by the land here, and I feel blessed to live here. Wow, that's a lot of interesting synchronicity. The way she didn't even know she had those Norwegian connections, the way she just started getting inspired by Norwegian and Scandinavian arts, and then all of that connection kept overlapping when they moved into the house. It makes you wonder, doesn't it, in, in terms of destiny or even the energy and spirit of homes, do they call to us? Right. And that it can be documented. She found the name of the village, She the connection with her own lineage and the historical perspective from the stories passed down in the Mohegan tribe. What really is beautiful is that the connection this person has with the land and they feel safe there and protected and blessed. That's amazing. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for that. Where do I belong in this? Doesn't it sound like she has just this amazing, amazing connection with her home and her land and, and that she is so interconnected with that being a grower? Yeah. And that's something I'm taking away from these stories. Just like we often say with really anything in life, but magic too. It's a two-way street. You have to give as much as you get. And all of the listeners are giving back to the land in some way and are respecting the land and working with it rather than just taking from it. And I think that's important. We have to be co-participants in this magical hidden world. Right. For there to be true reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Um, Our next one Firstly, thank you both for sharing your knowledge and keeping me company while I'm working. It always brightens my day to listen to your conversations. Thank you for listening. I finished listening to the recent episode about the hidden folk, which aligns with 
aqua lead or aqua lead. I'm not sure how to pronounce that either. Healing modality. It's a lot like Reiki, but works with the element of water. There are further attunements that work with the Elvish, Fey, and other woodland folk energy as well as the other elements. It's really quite amazing. I love working with both Reiki and Aqualeed together for self-healing. Sabine Blaze channeled this healing energy while living in Argentina. The story of Aqualeed is available on Amazon or Kindle. I thought I would share in case someone would be interested in reading about the healing energy or finding someone to attune them. It's a much smaller community compared to Reiki, but it is growing nonetheless. And I didn't, I had never heard of this before. So of course I, I had to start reading and going down the rabbit hole. And this is a, a new energy healing modality that is said to heal, purify, and energize water all over the planet, as well as in all living things. And it goes on to say, since the human body is made of 70% water and the earth's surface is covered mostly by water, therefore healing water means healing the earth and all the life forms that it supports, which, you know, I've always loved the fact that people, I used to work in um, state institutions for people that had uh, different issues in their lives. And there really is something to be said about the full moon impacting people's, um, well, there's also a bartender, so I'm just going to be a little bit, it does affect people, whether it's from a mental health issue or a behavioral issue, people may act a little different around the full moon sometimes. And you have to wonder when you look at what the moon does to the tides, is it having that kind of impact on your body as well with the level of water that we have in us. But had you heard of this? No, I have not heard of this. Um, I think it's interesting and fascinating. Something that I do do, not on a regular basis. Well, that's not true. That's actually not true, Samantha. I do do this regularly. So <laughs> let me try this again. Something I do is I have a little carafe of water in my refrigerator and I have crystals like clear quartz and rose quartz and amethyst at the base of it. And every week I fill it with water and then I bless the water. And then that's what I drink from. So I always try to do that. I try to do that with any, any water that I'm drinking. I don't do it when I have my, my daily diet Coke. Cause I think that thing is beyond blessing, mm -hmm. but when I drink water, I always try to, to bless it for my highest healing good. So I think it's important to consider the healing effects of water. And if you, if you guys are interested in anything like that, check out Dean Radin's book, Real Magic, where he does talk so much about the studies they've done on blessed water. They, they did a, a gosh, double or triple blind study on the healing effects of blessed tea. Mm -hmm. which is absolutely mind blowing where, you know, the people didn't know who were serving the tea, which tea was blessed and which tea was not. And the people drinking the tea obviously didn't know. And every time they picked the blessed tea that made them feel better. So there's something about giving that intention, whether it's, whether it's this aqua led aqua lead form or Reiki, or just simply remembering that we have this divine spark inside of us, you know, we have it already. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I love Reiki. I'm so happy. I've been attuned to it, 
but I don't know, do we need to be attuned to something necessarily? I, I think we need to always remember that we have that divine spark inside of us and we just have to cultivate it and call on it when we're working to just connect on a deeper level with ourselves and the world around us. And, and water, I think, is a beautiful place to start. Right. And since neither one of us have had any experience with this modality, we're not discounting or promoting it. We're just giving you more information. And when I looked at the the person's website who did channel this information, the basic principles of it are to heal the earth and restore the planet's natural state of balance, and that practitioners can help with this energy healing, that there are symbols and attunements, and also that it supports conservation, wildlife, and plant-based agriculture. All living things have the right to live free and undisturbed in their own natural environment. So if that's anything that resonates with you, you may want to check that out. And again, I'll make a, a link in the notes for that. But since we don't have a background in it, we can't say if it, I, I always think it's good to do your own work and see, does this feel right to me? Yeah, exactly. And just and just test it against your own inner knowing and feeling and, and research and talking to people who've worked in that modality is so, so important. But I think what these stories do is they just really remind us that there's so much more to this world than we can see with our five senses. Yes. And that it's, it doesn't, even if you're not comfortable with it or unsure of how to express this to you, having a base of knowledge about what someone else might be experiencing is, it's enriching and it helps you build tolerance and understanding. Or maybe you have a little person in your life, a child or a grandchild or, or a neighbor child that is so connected and is telling you these stories maybe you can peek into that world with them a little bit. Oh, for sure. You know, I have a friend who bought an old decrepit cabin in the mountains years ago, and I think they bought it sight unseen. I'm not sure about that. She would definitely be what we would call a nature empath. I love I love how the listener called herself that. Anyway, they they get up to the mountains and to the cabin and it's, you know, it's dirty, it needs a lot of work, blah blah blah. But there's a nest of bees, a hive of bees in the attic. And it was really bad. Like they were going to have to have those bees, I think, you know, fumigated and removed. And and my friend is definitely a nature animal lover and she did not want that. But the workers were refusing to come in and do anything until the bees were taken care of. So she just sat in that home and talked to the bees and asked them to relocate. And they went away for a week. And when she and her husband came back, the bees were gone. Yeah, I believe that. I really, in my heart, believe that. They went and told the queen's bees when she had passed. The beekeeper for the queen went and reported to the bees, the royal bees, that the queen had passed. And that's in uh, the Outlander series. One of her books is Tell the Bees That I'm Gone or I'm, I'm bastardizing the tape uh, the title of that it's not coming to me immediately but that's ancient lore as well with the bees i love that yeah i do too i do too so we hope this has inspired you all to go out and and hug a tree or or plant a flower or connect on a deeper level with all that is around you because it really does cultivate 
be such a beautiful appreciation of the world we're living in and and reminds us that there's magic everywhere if we if we choose to be a co-participant with it. Thanks so much for listening and sharing your beautiful stories with us. Remember, if you have a question or story that you want to share with Denise and me, you can email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. Don't forget that Denise and I are teaching our Mediumship 101 class in September. So if you want more information on any of our services or upcoming events, you can go to my website, samanthafay.com, and Denise's website is thegratefulmessenger.com. Thanks so much for listening Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.